Hi, Jenny. Hi, Paul. Podcast time, right? Podcast time. PJ party. It's Friday. Mm, feels so good to be on the weekend. Yes. Um, so on this uh, PJ party, uh, kind of some interesting things going on. Number one, um, we have Jesse Hughes, a pretty big rock star. From Eagles of Death Metal. Yeah. Yeah, so he was in town for the Queens of the Stone Age show. He opened up with his band um, mm-hmm. at the Save On Foods Memorial Center. And do you want to explain how this interview came about? It was totally last minute, right? It's the weirdest thing. Jesse is this type of guy where I guess he just like wants to hang out. He just wants to like meet people. You know what I mean? Some rock stars cloister themselves away in the bowels of the arena. Other ones wait outside hoping that people will come around and ask them for an interview and chat with them. And so that's, I guess, what Jesse was doing. And one of Jason Lamb's autograph nerd friends was out there, and they were chatting with Jesse and getting an autograph and all that. And Jesse was like, yeah, I'd love to do some press, but, you know, like, we didn't do any press because obviously all the thing was going on with Queens of the Stone Age mm-hmm. right now with the kick in the face and everything, there was a little, you know, like, shut down. There's a little bit of cloistering yeah. for Josh Homme and the band. Hiding out a little bit. Yeah. Right. Totally understandable. Oh, yeah. You want to control the story. There might even be legal repercussions still that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. So that's why... The Zone, I mean, the last time they were here, you was before your time, we had Josh Homme mm-hmm. for an interview. There was no way that was happening this time. Yeah, we were supposed to, but yeah, yeah. things kind of got uh, shut down a little bit. So. All on the kibosh. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so we knew that going in, but Jesse Hughes, you know, kind of this um, wonderful firework that he is, uh, says to this autograph guy, I'd like to do some press. The guy goes, well, I know a guy who works at the radio station. It's Jason Lamb. Lambo sitting down for an early dinner with his wife and son <laughs> and gets a phone call where Jesse Hughes is on the other line being like, I want to come into your radio station and do press. So, like, after three hours of playing cat and mouse with Jesse and then he's wandering off over here and then mm-hmm. he's getting high in his van here and then he gets to go to the store for some reason, like, all these things. Jason shows up to the radio station during the evening zone, like, I'm done for the day. You were filling in for Jason in the morning show that day. Mm-hmm. So you're not even around. We kicked Quentin out of his own show, Jason and I, to interview Jesse Hughes. And that's what we have um, as a big part of the podcast today. Wow. What a guy. <laughs> what a guy. And he tells some crazy stories. I mean, this is the guy who was, you know, his band and their fans shot at in Paris two years ago. Um, so he gets very emotional about that. And uh, But he also is a wild party person, as uh, maybe you know, Jenny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a big one. But what else do we have this week? Um, well, we have a lot of um, cat talk. You know, <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> it might be too late to get the update. But how did your cat do in the? So yeah, backpack? I got a cat backpack. It's like a little carrier, but backpack version, so you can like yeah, have your cat on your back and go for walks. Um, it was. I, I tried it out last night. Mm-hmm. She got in there, did not like, mm-hmm. did not like, was mm-hmm. meowing a lot. But I was like, you know what? She doesn't know what this is for. She thinks that I'm just trapping her right now. (laughs) So I brought her outside and immediately she was just so like just intrigued by the outdoors and she really loved it. I think she understands that now the backpack means outside time and uh, also got her a little harness as well. Uh, so I could take it for walks. Yes. Again, did not like it inside the house. But as soon as she got outside, she was like, there's another world outside <laughs> of this tiny apartment. What? Outer yeah. space is so big. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be taking my cat on walks now. You're that person. I am. Who, When I see that person, my like heart breaks with happiness. Oh, thank you. That's the feeling I get. I, one time there was an old man in my neighborhood out for a walk with his cat. Oh, not on a leash. 
off-leash cat, but the cat was just kind of like staying close by. Yeah. My heart was so happy and broke for this wonderful man. What is his life? What's his story? Does his wife allow him out of the house like this? Walking a cat? Probably not. There's no wife. It's just the cat. There's yeah. love. You, you don't too. need a wife. You don't need a wife when you have a nice cat like that. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah. So we're, we're going to get a poll on whether or not, you know, it's a weird thing to do is walk your cat. And if you would, you know, freak out if you saw a cat <laughs> being walked in Victoria. I think your concern, and fair enough, was people being like, that cat is trapped and that's cruel. <laughs> right? Like, don't take that cat out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what people think. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, once again, this week's podcast will be produced by Matt, our intern. And Matt, jump on the uh, microphone there and apologize to everyone that the music was way too loud. <laughs> I'm sorry if I deafened you. That was all my fault. <laughs> it wasn't deafening. It was like, uh, I can't hear what's going on. The music's way too loud. But that's uh, nobody needs to hear you, Paul. That's part of the um, magic of learning radio is uh, learning how to do it. Also, but I gotta say, the rest of the podcast was magic. Tip top. You did a great job. Other so, than that, yeah, one glaring, massive mistake. Yes, Otherwise, horrible so mistake, good. Other than that one, fine. other no. than that horrible mistake, fireable offense. Otherwise, <laughs> no. we're bringing you back on. No, it was good. It was really, really good. Um, how's the internship going? Otherwise, it's going really well. Actually, I'm learning a lot, and I I got to go. I got to go to our teamwork day this week. Mm-hmm, yes. That was super fantastic. You, we, yeah, good. We, we all got to work together. Mm-hmm. You and I were on a team, even. We were on a team, yes. Yeah, um, can, so I, can I confront you here about something in the teamwork day? Um, and Jen, you have to weigh into if this is weird or not. But I looked over at a certain point. We're like, you know, watching corporate videos and we're learning, to, you know, having speeches from everybody. And at a certain point, I look over and I notice, and I was like, oh boy. The intern's drawing a picture of me. <laughs> okay, it was terrible. And uh, was sure so enough, awful. I and like as the day go on, you drew a very, uh, like very detailed po- picture portrait of me. You were staring at me through the whole thing, <laughs> drawing me like one of your French girls. What the fuck? Why are you drawing me? What the fuck are you doing? Because it'd be weird if I was drawing boss man. <laughs> it's weird that you're drawing anyone. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, it is a little weird, right? I mean, like, I get it. I am a doodler. I need to have my hands going, and I move a lot because I have, like, the weirdest attention span ever. But, um, yeah, like, staring at someone throughout the entire meeting. Uh Like, that's the part. Like, drawing, that's so flattering. That's very nice. You know, that's so good. And it was a great drawing. But so bad. But then, like, it's just the act of, yeah, looking at the person to get all the details throughout Uh the meeting. And Paul's like, why is he still staring at me? (laughs) What is going on? I didn't see the portrait, I'm sure. I didn't feel the stare. I only didn't just saw the picture and was like, there's too much detail on that. There's too much specific detail in my beard hairs to know that he wasn't staring at me. So, and by the way, it wasn't like, oh, and here's the picture as a gift. What did you do with the picture of me? Are you using it in weird voodoo things now? (laughs) No, I think I actually left it at the hotel. Yeah. I think I even put your name above it. Oh, good. Yeah, but I didn't put your full name. Okay, great. I'll so. put my phone number on it, too. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, I'm flattered. And, no, it's, uh, it's weird. It's straight up weird, man. I'm a yeah. weird person. Okay. We've been over this. That's great. Matt, um, thank you for doing the podcast this week. Do a good job. Don't fuck up the music again. Love you. You're doing a good job. I'm giving you an A+. Plus. And uh, <laughs> that's going to be the podcast for this week. More chatter and then the paper over the weekend and people were talking last week about like cutting down the noise from uh, float planes going into the harbor. Do you hear about all this now? And I guess I kind of get it if 
you got one of those places, especially in Vic West, that kind of overlooks the Victorian or Harbor is like you just, you might get annoying. But, um, man, I would think that's part of, maybe not the reason why you would live there, but you know it's kind of par for the course, right? And uh, to complain about it at this point, I don't know. I feel kind of weird. Personally, like, I love that. I love whenever I see videos of downtown or wherever I am downtown or whatever, and I just see float planes coming in. And again, fair enough. I don't live down there. I don't have to deal with it all day, every day. But um, I kind of like it. <laughs> I love that wonderful, unique thing about our city that we get these little cutie float planes flying into the middle of our city all the time. Could be a lot worse. Could be living in like a main major city where like the international airport is kind of in the middle of the city. I know usually they like put them out a little further out of town to stop with that. But oftentimes or sometimes in major cities, like I've visited friends who live in places that are right under the flight path of the big international airport in big major cities. And it's just like every five minutes, a big jumbo jet's flying over your head. And that gets a little like, okay. But the float pans, I don't know. Oh, that's charming. Ch downright char charming. But again, I don't live there, so what do I know? And maybe they'll do something to turn the noise. Apparently, they've uh, adopted these turbo props that uh, have greatly reduced the amount of noise as it is anyways from float plane traffic. But uh, maybe they'll do more. And uh, maybe they'll just, just develop a fondness for the, ch the, the absolute ch charm of it. Yo, Paul, it's Christoph. Dude, I just thought talking about the float planes reminded me of moving into the countryside and complaining about the sound of chickens. <laughs> yeah. You move to the country, there's going to be chickens. Yeah, right. It's, it's okay. Or crickets, even. Or crickets, exactly. Yeah, I know. You know what? That's why everyone should get to spend at least a couple of nights in a place before they decide to live there forever and then and like and just really appreciate what the noises are of wherever you live whether it's noisy neighbors upstairs or it's float planes or chickens or crickets or whatever and just be like that's what the soundscape of this place is <laughs> and if i decide to live here and then i complain about it that's on me right so the, the realtor when you're buying the house they're like i know you love it you want to buy it but here's a sleeping bag and a pillow you guys spend a couple of nights and get back to me <laughs> Yeah, or that should be in, like, the write-up, like, the one-sheeter you get about the place you're about to buy, um, yeah. along with, like, strata fees and other little right. things on there. It should be, like, soundscape. You know what? List of noises. not a bad idea. Right? I, I think so. Yeah. Well, anyway, just thought to call in and say, hey, good job. I know you're all alone and all that, so. <laughs> Very lonely without Jenny. Thank you for calling, yeah. Christoph. Yeah, cheers, Paul. Later. <laughs> Joining me in the uh, zone control right now, Jason Lamb is back. Hey, how's it going, How are you, buddy? Good to see you. Uh, also yeah. joining me, lead singer of Eagles of Death Metal, the uh, devil himself, Jesse Hughes. Wow. That is so exciting. You made it, man. If people could see my face through radio, they would see how bright it is with, I am so pleased with that introduction. Thank Just, you, I'm man. vain, and I love it when people talk about me. Well, <laughs> man, thrill for me. I don't know if you remember. We hugged at Rock the Shores a few years ago. You know, I, I, I don't drink. So I tend to remember a lot, yes. much to people's chagrin, but I remember <laughs> all of you. All the hugs. And uh, <laughs> I remember every hug. Yeah. That's nice. I give no hug in vain. <laughs> and, uh, and I've been a fan, man, for oh, years and years now, and I love your music so much. And uh, Lambo, you and Lambo have like a weird kinship, friendship from going over the <laughs> ages here now. And yeah. to get in touch with him today was pretty amazing. You that know? was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. I was hanging out like with the kids, signing <laughs> autographs or whatever, taking pictures and talking, and then... I I was talking about, I was complaining that 
you know, after the things that we've gone through in our in our life, that it, people are sort of precious with us, and that I miss the press. Right. And and he, this gentleman, David, David, yeah. David a friend of his, said, "Well, I can get in touch with." Him. I'm like, "What? Get you on the phone? Get do it now!" Like, yeah. <laughs> I want to go beyond his, uh, and so it worked out. That's so good. Okay, I want to ask you a ton of things. you got so much going on right now in your present, but first, let's talk about this little bit of past and this connection and this kinship that you have with Victoria, too. Well, you know, not only did, on our first tour, we come straight here, which was, I don't know if anyone was at that one little show we played here. It was the first time girls stormed the stage, which became a a hallmark of ours, you know, (laughs) inviting them up. But it happened here of its own, like it became yeah. self-aware. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I used to hitchhike up here when I was a kid. My friend Patrick uh, Christian Sheehy was going to the university here and he was on the college radio station. Right. And I would hitchhike from Palm Springs. You know, I would take a Greyhound up to San Francisco, but the rest of the way I would hitchhike. It was my first adventures as a young man, you know. And that this was my destination is no small thing to me, you know. I think it would be fair to say that even some of my songwriting has been affected by the stuff I did here and the music I listened to here. And, Get out, and, really? Of course, man. I mean, the first experiences one has in any situation is going to be the blueprint for if they do it later on in life. Yeah. It's, it's Freudian in a way. It's the Oedipus complex in multiple applications. Right. Um, even the Electra complex. Let's just hit it both sides, right? <laughs> Hashtag Electra. Let's go for it. So, um, but... I love this place. And the Swanson Ferry holds great magic. First time I ever saw a bald eagle. Oh, yeah. I mean, which for an American is kind of a big deal, you know? Yeah, like, of it's, course. It's a majestic bird anyway, but... It's yeah. weird how we have way more of them here than yeah. you have in the States. Well, I yeah. mean, it is. We, we hunted them all. <laughs> no figure. But um, being on a, a ferry boat that I've hitchhiked to get to, where I've gone through some adventure and some danger to get to, yeah. and you finally come to the end of the destination, and it's a ferry boat ride to a beautiful island where you're going to eat a Nanaimo bar or any other variety of deliciousness. (laughs) And uh, yeah, of course, it's very special to me. Yeah. You know, so it's always important when I come here. I always go, I mean, last night I went on some adventures with some dudes from the Yukon that are here to see the show. Okay. I just met them on the street and I was like, you guys look cool. You're my only friends here so far. (laughs) And uh, we went to a Liberace review. Just kidding. No, no, that didn't happen. (laughs) But... It would have been awesome if it had, you yeah. know what I mean? It would have been very precious. But I've never, this place, this particular unique little microcosm that is this island, it's kind of unique to Canada. Yeah. It really is, yeah. you know, and the attitudes here, even the, even the accents are slightly modified, you know, that's huh. just a byproduct of being isolated on an island. Sure, yeah. But I've never had anything but the ability to just jump right in. And so I would like to say that I appreciate that about this place, that... I've always felt really welcome and like immediately able to move with people. Mm -hmm. There's really no prohibitiveness in the attitude. And that's what is the most special. Uh, It means a lot from someone who, you know, sees the world in the way that you do. And have had people try to not let me belong in some big ways, you know, Mm -hmm. so believe me. I've got a perspective on this. Yeah. Can I ask you about, I mean, we won't get into too much of this, but I'm curious, like how, how you bounced back from that that thing that happened in Paris like it, it, was there was there kind of a moment for you where you were like I'm either going to just crawl away and never put you know, my head out weird. again it's really strange and I'm glad you're bringing this up because uh, first of all I, I want to say there's no problem with me talking about anything mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a really reasonable dude mm-hmm. I've always let the facts dictate the terms of my decisions that's a grandpa phrase mm-hmm. right. but after it happened we're talking of course about the attack of the Bataclan mm-hmm. I you don't have anything to fall back on at all 
except for me it was the corniest little slogans of wisdom that my grandmother had. That's what I started with. Mm -hmm. That's what got me out of the hotel room really? on the third day. Wow. It was stupid little corny sayings. Uh, you catch more fish with a net than with a line. A line something you say, a net's an attitude you say to the whole room. You know, little tidbits like that. Yeah. And my mother, I would ask myself, what would my mom want me to do? Mm -hmm. It sounds so corny, but what else did I have? And I feel very fortunate that I was immediately aware of the fact that, you know, I was going to be the spokesperson for whatever this was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that this was, in our world of music, this was the first time. And I wasn't just representing me i was representing everyone and you have to understand that from the, the second i was escaping that place the french people demonstrated themselves to be uncommonly fine mm. you know a kid ran up to me cradling his arm where it had been shattered almost been shot off i don't even know how i was still walking you know and he said i got it. i saw your last show or this show was pretty good but i gotta tell you your last show was better <laughs> oh my god <laughs> wow serious? he was cracking a joke yeah Jeez. and then I heard this four times before I got into a cab to go to the police station. Please don't judge France by this. Please don't not come here again. Mm -hmm. uh, they're running for their lives mm -hmm. and they're worried if I'm going to judge them. Yeah, yeah. You know, That's that um, humbled me immediately and let me know that because I believe in God and, and that was God letting me know, okay, you got some stuff you're going to have to do, but it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and you too, I... Really, I can't take credit for it because it was the beautiful and wonderful demonstrations of kindness and friendship on the part of the professional community. It was, if you two hadn't made us come back and play within that first two weeks, I don't think I ever would have gotten back on stage again. Wow. Is that right, hey? Yeah. Because, you know, the, I saw the first shots. I saw some stuff that mm. was ugly, mm. terrible. And uh, if it hadn't been for their beautiful love of us and their insistence that we come do this and, and i mean they extended every imaginable courtesy that no rock band in the world would ever do they didn't just have us come up and play the last song which you know <laughs> they made us come out and they not only let us play the last song but they walked off the stage and gave us their stage mm -hmm. that nobody does that mm -hmm. those big acts meant something to me big you know so i never i've endeavored always to deserve anything i have I want to really earn it. You know what I mean? And when you're getting this much love and this much support and you're seeing something that's miraculous, I'm talking about the entertainment community being sincere, is rare. Mm -hmm. And every single person that's ever come up to me, I have never doubted their sincerity. That's really rare. And I mean, that's a serious statement. Mm -hmm. um, finishing the tour was what saved our lives after that. I just knew, I knew in my heart that the only thing that we had to do was to play as many shows as possible and to never, ever give even a single laugh or anything to the bad guys. Because this might sound strange to you, but from the second the bullets started flying, they wanted to break our hearts and fill us with horror. But when they did that, they demonstrated this. I saw people jump in front of bullets for their friends. I saw with my own eyes people jumping in front of a bullet without even hesitation to stop it from hitting their friend. And that's the greatest demonstration of love that anyone can ever show. Yeah. And I got to be a witness to it. That's beautiful. It's terrible, but it's beautiful. Wow. And that's all I saw from the second I was running out of that place. I saw kids cracking jokes, cradling their broken arms. Kids worried that we wouldn't come back. I've been met with nothing but the most beautiful 
possible experience that anyone could ever have. Mm. And just because it was difficult for me to not get killed is no reason why that story doesn't deserve to be heard. Why the persons that jumped in front of bullets, the persons that got up and screamed running into it as they were getting shot. They faced death. They didn't know if anybody would ever see or know how it happened. And their way to go out was to look death in the eye and come out like a monster. Mm. That's beautiful. So all those bad guys did was give me an experience where even though it was costly, I am a witness to the fact that this is a beautiful world, that it's a beautiful place filled with a lot of love and a lot of beauty and a lot of support and a lot of nobody's going to let anybody fail kind of attitude. How can that not be an amazing message? Yeah. And, and just because it was hard, that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. And that's all because of my mother. Mm-hmm. So I guess, does that answer the question? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I get a little emotional sometimes, you guys, <laughs> yeah, but this is serious stuff. I was, um, I mean, it was incredible to read uh, this past November that, you went back. You go and you, you know, I pay go tribute. Every year. Yeah. Are you just, is that going to be for the rest of your life, do you reckon? My heart's there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I feel French in a way. Uh, I, we bled together. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. You know, it's a weird thing, too. It's the only thing I've ever felt like a physical call as it nears. As November's nearing, I can feel it. Mm I couldn't. I wouldn't even have to look at a calendar. I don't think I would know when it's coming. It's strange. There's there's sort of supernatural side effects that happen, in my opinion, when you're connected to people by blood, and when life is taken in such a way, it has with it a certain je ne sais quoi. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> um, I love my friends. There's like thousands of people there that have been that I, I could probably name because I love them, and I'm only alive because of them. I'm only alive because of our fans. You know, that's the only reason I get to do this. Anyway, this is the greatest job in the world. This yeah. is the greatest <laughs> job in the world. And it's all I have to do. You know what I mean? I w- I'm going to get a permanent one day and just grow my fingernails out large <laughs> because that's all I got to do is count money and touch girls you know, all day long. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm going to get a perm. I'm going to bring back. That's all I got to do. You know what I'm saying? And, and I love what I get to do. And um, I believe I'm alive right now so that I can share that beautiful message. And I'm so proud of the fact that it comes from a rock and roller. But I don't have it in me to let the bad guys win. I I believe if you stay horny, everything else will come full circle. (laughs) And I mean that artistically for the little parts. Uh, We're chatting with Jesse Hughes. He's the lead singer of Eagles of Death Metal. We have to get him back to the rink in the next 20 minutes. You know, I used to be an official Zamboni operator. Is that so? No, I worked. Come in a, on. I used to play broomball, dude. I worked at an ice rink, man. I was. Think about it. I live in the desert, and there's uh, an ice rink opens up. Yeah. It's literally the coolest place in town. Yeah, right. So, so I got hired there, and yeah. of course, eventually, I had to learn how to drive the Zam, dude. This was so spontaneous and weird. How this all kind of came and thank out, you so. guys for being able to have this sort of thanks for coming environment that this is even possible. This is beautiful, man. Absolutely, I'm really. I thank you and. Um, I'm expecting to see all your faces tonight at the Queens mm, and Eagle, yeah. Queens yeah. of the Stone Age and Eagles of Death Metal tonight at the Save on Foods, Foods. Foods. Yeah. Yeah. Memorial Center. Center. Yes, got that's it. right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I always want to look at it and go, Centre? What is that? <laughs> 
Canada. <laughs> um, Jesse, thank you so much for uh, finding, uh, miraculously finding time to come and chat oh, with man, us. Oh, man, I, so I will good. always be here for you guys. Thank you for having me. Um, Jason Lamb for pulling it off yeah. magically as well. Strange life I lead I don't sometimes. know how you did that. And, yeah. and you're going to need to get your beautiful child here some therapy after this session because I think that after that comment about yeah. horny, which, you know. He's going to have some questions for sure. <laughs> you, you've sparked the conversation, you son of a... <laughs> Well, today on the Afternoon Zone, I guess we're all just breathing a big sigh of relief that the big tsunami warning last night turned out to just be a little baby tsunami. A, a tsunami of babies? No. Wait, what? I wasn't prepared to have babies. I don't have diapers. No. Nobody told me this. I, not, I'm not ready to be a mother. No, that's what not. The, uh, what the heck? I, do I got to get a soother? How many times do I got to feed a baby? Do I have to feed a baby? What's going on? I'm uh, tuckered little kitty today. Oh, I bet you had you had a day yesterday. A crazy old day. You know, it's like some you just like go for months and months and like nothing exciting happens. And then yesterday was uh, uh, seven o'clock at night. Impromptu, totally weird. I'm interviewing a Jesse from Queens of the, or, uh, from Eagles of Death Metal. Right. Which was a weird, <laughs> wild interview. And he just wanted to do press. He was like, I feel like doing press. Yeah. And decided. To call you guys up? Somehow got in touch with Jason Lamb through some autograph nerd who was hanging out with back. It was it was weird. It was yeah. a weird time. And uh, and so then I and then go to the show and the show was quite good and we all were like it was it was great to like be at a big arena show. Maybe we'll go into the more of this later, but just like the Queens of the Stone Age show and you know all hands on deck. It was so great that we were all there. There were so many. Like zoners and rock and roll fans all in one place makes mm-hmm. me so happy. Yeah, definitely. You know, that kind of is a rare thing. And then I go home and I'm like, mm, you know, my ears are ringing. It was a loud show. It was eh? very loud. I should I should have brought earplugs. I was far, like we had far away seats. So I was <laughs> like, you know, maybe I won't need them. Ho, <laughs> needed them. Yeah. And I was ringing into the night. And then I don't remember getting the call, but I just remember... Like, I remember people, like, everyone's like, oh, was your phone on loud or, like, on, how did you wake up? But at 2.30 this morning, uh, Bossman Johnny's on the phone to me being like, can you get to the radio station and, like, do announcements because there's a tsunami warning. So. <laughs> you had to get that call. Yeah. If you if you weren't awake at 2 o'clock, from 2.30, 3 o'clock till 5 in the morning, this morning I was up. I was here reading the tweets out loud, Man. essentially, from the emergency thing, BC. Hi, good morning. It's uh, 4.58, and uh, my name is Paul Placino. I um, just want to give you one more uh, advisory here about the uh, tsunami warning that was issued uh, earlier this morning. There was a big uh, earthquake in the Gulf of Alaska uh, that um, made for a tsunami warning all down the British Columbia coast, including uh, here in Victoria. Happy to report now that the tsunami warning has ended for the Victoria area as well as along the uh, all of B.C., uh, even in the Tofino, it's been downgraded from a warning and an evacuation to an advisory. Um, the um, read to here from the uh, uh, internet. The evacuation alert has been lifted for all of the one of Fuca Strait, Jordan River to Victoria. All watch advisory and warnings for coastal BC have been canceled. No zones in coastal BC are at risk. Uh, city of um, Victoria saying uh, the tsunami warning for Victoria has ended. Uh, city of Colwood saying. Um, tsunami warning previously issued for coastal areas of BC has been canceled, um, but um, and uh, no areas of BC are at risk. But to please, please be aware that waves and strong currents could still be dangerous to those in or near the water.
Okay. Um, awesome. Great. Good. Have a good day. I think I'm going to call it and take off for the day. Uh, Jason Lamb is already here preparing for the news, so he'll have probably more information, I imagine, um, at uh, in an hour from now on 6 o'clock news. And uh, Dylan and Jason, the morning zone starts at 6 o'clock with, uh, I'm sure, lots more information. Okay. Stay safe out there. But you, I think, like a lot of people, just no idea there's a tsunami warning. Yeah, thank you, first of all, for coming in and doing that. But it it didn't matter to me. I had no idea what was going on. I slept completely through it. And it wasn't until the morning when I saw your Instagram story that I was like, Mm -hmm. was there a tsunami warning in in the night? I had no idea. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people were the same way. I mean, I didn't get any texts. I didn't get an email. didn't get, you know, a sound going off or anything like that. It Mm -hmm. was just, I would have... I don't know. I live in James Bay, like really close to the water. So yeah. I, I don't know what would have happened. I, yeah, there's been a little, little, little chatter around about like, you know, should some alarms have been going off? Should more noise have been made in the middle of the night to get people away from the water? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously now the big chat is like that alert system that you can sign up for for the city of Victoria that they will send you warnings and alerts if there's a tsunami or anything like that or an earthquake or whatever. Um, So I kind of wonder, our news guy Art is kind of chasing down a bunch of officials right now, he was saying at lunch, and so hopefully he'll have more for us like in the news. Yeah. But I wonder if they just kind of knew that the situation was that they knew there was going to be a tsunami, but like tsunamis can be one feet tall, which is what this one is. Oh, okay. This, like this thing that did show up was a foot tall. Or it could be, you know, a massive wall that's devastating. And they don't quite know, but they knew that probably it wasn't that big of a deal. And maybe that's why there weren't, you know, you would think people are like, there should have been cops out on the street with their sirens going and like fire trucks it, blasting, you know, everyone like, get out of your house and all that. Yeah, it would have been that way if I think it were an extreme threat to people, right? right. I think I remember Art saying today at lunch, he was saying that, yeah, Esquimalt had control. They knew exactly mm-hmm. like they knew every single step of the tsunami and they knew that it wasn't a big enough warning to, you know, put the sirens out and do yeah. all that. Um, but I heard in Tofino they did have the sirens and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> By the way, I love Tofino so much. You know, I do. But. That's the one thing whenever I'm there and I'm like laying and I'm like <laughs> listening to waves crashing on the beach. But I always can't get out of my mind all the tsunami warning and like safe evacuation route signs. I'm always like, oh, boy. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I think uh, for sure, too, and like and, not, and Tofino took it very seriously. And there's all that footage of all those people in the, you know, muster station or whatever it was. Yeah. I think if, you know, it probably would have been some time if, if Tofino got like just slammed by a massive wave then I think probably, you know, the fire chief would have been out there ringing some bells yeah. in Victoria. We would have had some time where we'll have a little warning. If Port Hardy, do you know what I mean, the top of the island was like, holy smokes, you know, word would have got down pretty quickly to Victoria and then probably the muster stations and the police rousing people from their beds would have been a little bit louder, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll keep you updated through the news today because sure, yeah. Art's going to talk to the mayor, I believe. That's yeah. the plan. She's probably super busy today, so mm-hmm. we're not sure. Um, but yeah, we've got, we're going to get some uh, kind of backup and talk about emergency preparedness and stuff throughout the show as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You know, people still kind of with a little bit of tsunami on their minds. We talked about, you know, emergency preparedness in our meeting today that we had. Uh, Cover of the Times calling us today is a wave of relief sweeps over Ireland. Um, I was uh, so interested, though, on social media in the last couple of days because this was so top of mind for so many people. Um, people saying that we need sirens, like tsunami warning sirens, in Victoria. 
Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, Mayor Lisa helps. She said that, you know, we didn't get to the point where we needed to evacuate. So right. that's why no one, you know, had to knock on their door in Victoria, at least, yeah. uh, for evacuation because there was no threat of it being a danger to us mm-hmm. yet. I mean, there was a warning and an advisory. We were keeping an eye on it, but it never got to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that a lot of people really didn't understand that and were, you know, kind of mad that we didn't get a siren. But the reason we didn't get a siren is because there was no tsunami. We didn't right. get one. We're in like a really lucky place in Victoria at the tip tippy top, tip, tip, tippy, tippy bottom of the island. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, you know, if a tsunami is coming from the north like that, it's going to sweep over Port Hardy and Tofino and Port Alberni and down, mm-hmm. or not Port Alberni, Port Renfrew, right? And down the island first. So we're going to get a real solid gauge mm-hmm. of just how severe this thing is, you know, just like we did on a Tuesday morning, you know, that we know we'll still have time. And uh, I got drawn into a conversation about it today online, where I was like, I feel like, uh, do we need, number one, it's like in Victoria, let's assume it was the worst case scenario and a real live tsunami was going to come and, you know, actually, like they were warning, uh, you know, affect and maybe flood or like uh, damage and uh, and, uh, wash out the, you know, two blocks closest to the ocean. Mm -hmm. Do we need sirens all around town? freaking people out and by the way a siren is just a siren there's no mm. additional information that comes with right or would the city and i wonder if this is what the city would have done is deploy and then lisa helps even said this right they're mm-hmm. about to deploy fire and police do you think that those sirens that live on the top of their cars would have just been they've been roaming those neighborhoods within the two blocks close to the ocean you know sirens on with the megaphones out being like hey everybody get up and get out of your house because yeah. there's a tsunami coming you know what because have you ever been woken up in the middle of the night like there's something going on in your neighborhood with by a police siren because i definitely have i've yeah. been like where it's like a block away some you know some scoff laws run afoul of the law and like a police siren is going and it wakes up and the whole house seems alive. You just, you see the blinking of the light. You hear the siren. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't take much. I remember one time I was asleep and uh, just some cops were roaming in the neighborhood and they were just going like this. Boop, boop. <laughs> boop, boop. Like once in a while, I don't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Using echolocation like bats. I don't know. <laughs> but, oh boy, well, we wide awake in the oh, whole yeah. house, right? Yeah. And the dogs barking and everything. So even that... Like, is that not enough? Is that not efficient? Is that not the way to do things? Do we really need sirens on poles? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. But I know that, yeah, now a lot of Victorians are just very curious to see and to kind of like get a full understanding of what it actually looks like when we are at that point when we yeah. need to evacuate. And, you know, we don't really know exactly what that would look like. Was that? Because people are like, was that what it looks like? Was that it? Is that like, all that's get? all we get? Yeah. I was sleeping through this whole thing. So people are scared and I get that. Sure, I get yes. that so much because, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was one of the people who slept through it. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what if that actually was a tsunami? Is that all they're going to do? Yeah. So there is that question. But yes, the answer is they would do more. They would do more. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I agree. Um, and especially since everybody's an emergency preparedness expert right now. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but get online and everybody knows exactly what we yeah. should have done. What do you think? Do we really need sirens on poles, or have we probably got it pretty on lock? Yes, you should have sirens near the uh, waterfront. Yeah. You reckon? How come? Well, gets people out, gets people up, and gets them out, gets them up to higher ground, right? All right, but what about my idea? Can't the cops just roam through the neighborhood, going whooping their sirens? 
Yeah, they can do that, but some people may not. Some people like you, well, it's just another accident or oh. pulling somebody over, right? You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like a, a tsunami designated siren that we, we all know yeah. that if that yeah. goes off, we know what that means. Oh, yeah. So like, like they have the one down by the basin of Squamble, right? Yeah. yeah. That's for emergencies down there. And that's only has a certain siren and it's a certain pitch and it's very, very, very damn loud apparently. And then also that in Tofino, they have also have a megaphone on that too, right? So somebody actually gets on and saying a couple times, they said down there, the siren went off and said, this is not a drill tsunami warning, right? Right. Yeah. yeah which in, so. again, in Tofino makes perfect sense to me. I'm thinking like, do we really need that in Victoria? I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like it's yeah, something but, that everyone's kind of all kind of freaked out and scared of right now, and they're just like, yeah. put up sirens and make me feel better, like a security blanket thing where it doesn't actually do anything. Yeah. I'm not sold on sirens, but I do think it would go a long way for residents of the CRD and Greater Victoria to educate themselves on where they live. This was just brought to my attention today. I work in emergency services, so this was a good lesson for me as well. The CRD did a survey a little while back of what a 9.0 magnitude earthquake, what kind of tsunami that would generate, mm -hmm. and then just how far inland the tsunami would affect this southern Vancouver Island. And if you look on the survey and where it would inundate the land, it doesn't go very far, like it's the coastline. So right. with regards to the sirens, I think there could be a system in place perhaps, but for the most part, it's... Uh, Does it feel a it little overkill? Maybe a little. Yeah. I mean, places like Jordan River have sirens and Port Renfrew have the sirens because obviously they're on the coastline and such. But for the city of Victoria, that might be overkill. But having some sort of system in place, I guess, if, if a tenant wanting to come out and, you know, we, we did need to evacuate for people to be aware of where they need to go, what they need to do and have a, a plan in place, even just for their families would probably go a long way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so that's, that's the good takeaway. Confusion. To... Yeah. Yeah from all of this, you know, it's like, there needs to be a little better of a plan in place for sure with, for, you know, just not just for the city, but like amongst family members themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, yeah, well, that's a good point because I agree. It's just like Jordan river to, you know, places that do have sirens. It's like, they've clearly identified, you know, that is a threat and that could be a bad thing that happens. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're a big city here. You would think that if that was a threat, if that was a credible threat, if sirens weren't efficient, proper way to get a hold of the citizenry through that we would have it and we don't so are we just Absolutely. idiots or have we thought it through pretty well and it's not really worthwhile yeah you know i think there are systems in place now but i think we could do a better job of educating ourselves on them and if something big did happen i mean realistically i think a forest fire or an earthquake would be our bigger risk but mm. having some sort of system in place for if any of those big incidences did happen would be great like some sort of notification system whether it's a siren or like you know the whole night right i know i think i know what you mean though that like you know we're maybe a little bit outgrowing the sirens themselves and that vic alert thing where we get the notifications to our phones that's yeah. maybe the way to go yeah, yeah we just need to educate the public on how to use those because not many people knew about the vic alert systems yeah. until after we got the exactly. alert so yeah um yeah just having maybe like an educational program go out and some sort of something um, yeah. yeah yeah and, and where to go if if they get an alert like do they go to their email do they go to the tv the radio right. yeah. you know twitter is one thing but if that goes down you know what's next I'm actually a geography student at UVic, and in our first year, we did some mapping and 
kind of analysis of what would happen if a tsunami came towards the coast here. Mm -hmm. So if you have a map and you kind of look at the topography and there's a massive wave of energy coming from anywhere in the ocean, the coastline like Port Renfrew and the Olympic Mountains totally breaks it up. It's super unlikely that anything over two meters would actually get in here because we're actually really protected. Right. The biggest thing we'd have to worry about is um, the silt deposit that piloted the Fraser River by Vancouver. Oh. Did you hear how they have people like underwater actually exploding that so it doesn't build up too big? Oh. No. Oh. There's all these mini underwater earthquakes from all the silt deposits. So that would be the most likely thing to cause a big wave coming towards us. But a wave needs a pretty sizable area to build up that much energy. And yeah. because of where we are, it's not really anywhere like enough room for a wave to get big enough to really crash over our shores here. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought too, right? I mean, when they were talking even the other day about like, you know, be careful, you know, two blocks up from the ocean, I was like, you know, knowing it's exactly what you just said about the way that the topography of Victoria is and protected by the mountains and blah, blah, blah. I was like, wow, that is some worst case scenario, brutal tsunami coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, holy smokes, you know, and then for it to turn out to be nothing, I was... Mm, kind of like not surprised so good call i you know i thank you i'm glad that you called in with uh with those facts because that's what i've always read too about victoria we are you know we're on the coast but we're kind of in a very protected place especially from those types of tsunamis totally did you ever serve did you ever have a serving job Mm, no neither did i um but i read a good thing today and uh, maybe zoners who have served or do serve uh, could back this up. But uh, it was a question of uh, when you're in a restaurant and you order a water, not just a water, but like to drink with your meal. Oh, okay. Do the servers hate your guts? Are you the worst when that happens? I wouldn't think so. Because if you're ordering the meal, you already have, you know, a pretty hefty bill. So you're going to tip on top of that. Right. I understand that, you know, getting a drink, you know, it kind of makes the tip bigger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't think anyone would be mad about that. I do know a server or two who really count on you padding up the bill with glasses of wine. Oh, I mean, you know what I think would be a bad move is like going to a restaurant and only ordering a water. <laughs> He has to leave. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. taking a table and not tipping and just having a water. No, of course. Right? You can't be like, ice water with ice. And I want the biggest table. Give me a booth by the window. Yeah. But I was talking, was I talking about this last week? Is it like, there's nothing to drink for me in restaurants right now. Mm. If you are trying to not drink or eat sugar, Ooh. there's nothing. Milk's full of sugar. Chocolate milk. Forget about it, right? Soda, iced tea, all of that full of sugar. Milkshakes, nothing. You can't put a Gatorade. It's all junk. It's all trash with various flavorings and colors into it. But there's nothing you can drink. You so just it's drink like water. Coffee, tea. Coffee, tea, and water is water. all I can drink. Or cold tea, but we don't really have that here. That's more of a states thing. Yeah, it's right? gross. Have you ever had that? Yeah, disgusting. Mm-hmm. They don't even put lemon in it. Needs sugar. Yeah, come on, Americans, please <laughs> figure out your iced tea situation. You know, and while we're at it, what does Mountain Dew? Terrible. Well, I don't know, but they love it. It's like their national drink. It glows. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You should looks, not be drinking anything that glows. Looks like I fell asleep in Fukushima <laughs> for a year and then woke up to go to the bathroom is what Mountain Dew looks like. It's like so unappealing. But like every American I know is like, this is the greatest nectar. Mm, I love it. Mm. But, uh, oh yeah, water. So... 
So I always order a water, and if there's a fizzy water, I like it too. But can we do something else too? And maybe now this is I'm the worst, and I'm a cheapskate and all this. But I order a fizzy water, or as I like to call it. Spicy water. <laughs> Spicy water. It's just water with sriracha in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fizzy water. It's like spice. Unless it's a Perrier. It's, unless it's like a f- super high flute and little tiny like glass bottle of fizzy water. If it's just fizzy water out of the gun, do, can you charge me like less than you would charge me for a soda pop? Like a soda pop, unending Coke, I get it. It's a bunch of sugar and coloring. I get it. That's three dollars now in a mm-hmm. restaurant. But for fizzy water, I'm paying three dollars. Outrageous! <laughs> Please, how about one dollar? How about one fifty? Mm. So, anyways, this is the question I want to ask: fizzy or flat tap water? If I'm asking for water in a restaurant as a server, do you hate my guts? Would you rather I ask for a water and a soda, and then just drink the the water, and then feed the soda to a hungry dog under the table? <laughs> Why are you bringing your dog into your restaurant? <laughs> no one's going to like you. That's the problem here. Not if you're ordering a water. It's like, sir, you can't bring your dog in here. Is that dog drinking out of our <laughs> soda glasses? This is no good. Okay, to, to get to the bottom of this whole water thing, by the way, I read uh, today online that a server said, a professional server was like, no, they don't care about if you order water. They said that uh, the difference between if you order a water or like an iced tea or a soda pop, which costs like average three bucks, even if you're tipping heftily at 20%, the difference to them in the tip is negligible. Mm. So either order a glass of wine and be my favorite or I don't give a rip is yeah. kind of what uh, that server said. We're going to very nervously take a call here live. Hello, Zone 913. You were talking about the water thing too? Yeah, I'm just, I just, my issue is when people come to a table and there's like, say, 10 people at the table, mm. and then there's maybe one person there waiting for the rest of the party to join, and they're like, ah, we'll just get a round of water for everyone. Like, sorry, do you know what your nine other friends are feeling right in this moment? Do you think that you know exactly how hydrated they are <laughs> and whether they want water or not? See, I and always bring the 10 glasses of water and maybe one and point maybe one point six of them get drank. Yeah, and you're that's like, true. really? Like, why do you, why are you doing that to me? Okay, that's you know what? That's I'm glad you called this in because I do that every single time. If I especially I don't know what it is, but especially if there's a big table, I feel it's incumbent upon myself. I take it upon to be like, oh, everyone's gonna want water. Bring a round nope. of waters, but that's when it gets to be a pain in the ass for you. Oh, I'm hating on you at that point in time. Oh, interesting. interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah. Okay, really yeah, because, good to know. Because, yeah, we're busy. We're doing lots of things. And, like, I would gladly take all your orders. You tell me you want sparkling, you want flat. I'll get you your spicy water, whatever you need. <laughs> it's but, like, on. you don't know what people are drinking at the table. So, like, why don't you just wait, maybe? Yeah, not everyone wants the glass of water. Wow, thank exactly. you so much. What's your name? My name's Emily. Emily, you're a diamond for texting in or for calling in. I appreciate it. No problem. So uh, there's a, a big campaign to try and get surfing as California's official sport. You hear about that? No, nah, makes perfect sense. It makes though. sense. Perfect I don't sense. know what their official sport is right now, but surfing just makes sense. Well, you think of California, you think of surfing, you think of waves, and yeah. it just makes sense. Of course. And it got me thinking: if Victoria had an official sport, what would that sport be? Well, I mean, okay. When you first asked me this, I thought of surfing right away. Yeah, I'm pretty big surf town ourselves, and up in you know Tofino and all that. Um, but then, of course, there's some sillier ones. More we, specific niche sports. Yeah, I mean, we just played a Jesse Roper song. I would say a Jesse Roper sighting yeah. would be a one. 
Um, there's some sports that we play every day. We, we don't mm-hmm. even realize that we're playing these sports. Coffee shop snobbery. There you go. It's kind of, you can make a sport out of that. You could. Um, yeah, in fact, we could probably have like a whole Olympics just for sports that are specific to Victoria. We could, I think. And welcome back to the Zone at 91.3's live coverage of the 74th Victoria Olympiad. Looking back at events that have already taken place, what an exciting day today, Jenny, in the world of drunken bocce playing. Oh, it's always so much fun to watch the athletes on the field. Mm -hmm. Something that's very important with this game is the diverseness of craft beer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want to make sure you have a lot of options there for the players. That's right. Uh, Your wobbly legs are going to come into uh, effect as you choose a good spot in Beacon Hill Park. Not to mention what we always like to call the foul factor. Mm -hmm. Are there Canada geese or Canada gooses, I should say, on the playing field? As well as please be aware of rogue peacocks. Yeah, you can hear those peacocks coming from a mile away. So hopefully our athletes are in the state of mind where they know where the peacocks are coming from. Mm -hmm. Looking now towards uh, one that's very popular in Victoria, not just for these Olympics, but also all year round for residents, and that's Real Life Frogger. Yeah, so today on the streets, we have Patchouli Daniels coming home from a very busy day, slinging coffees at a local barista shop. All right, let's see how he does on the busy street of Quadra and Pandora. All right, he's taking his first lane. Ah, it's a success. Okay, the second lane. Well, we know this lane very well. The beer delivery lane. All the trucks going by. Let's see if he can pass it. Oh, it's a close one, but he made it. Oh, that Patchouli Daniels, he's looking pretty good so far. But we're not done yet. This one can be a tough one. Pedestrian crossing. Oh, oh no. Oh, no, this is not looking good for Patchouli. Yes, he was hit by a rascal scooter and has to go back to level one. Oh, that is a shame. We'll hear from him again in four years, I'm sure, though. Thank you again for joining us for these Victoria Olympics. Still to come, yoga paddleboarding, competitive bike laning, line budging for brunch, and volleyball rooftop only edition. Paul Plastino, Jenny West. In the afternoon zone. Well, remember last week we were talking a little about uh, Trudeau going on his town hall meetings mm-hmm. right across the country. Come and yell at the prime minister, everybody. <laughs> Come and yell things at me. Uh, come and ask nice questions. Come and someone always in the audience yell. And we were like, boy, wouldn't it be fun if you came to around here? Oh, yeah. There'd be some yelling, I'm sure. Yeah. Everyone loves yelling. Um, Trudeau to host town hall meeting in Nanaimo. Nice. Yeah. So there you go. He's going to be up in Nanaimo on February the uh, second. So um, if you really wanted to pose a question in it, uh, um, I'm thinking about it. You're talking to a guy who has driven to Nanaimo to get Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. I should go and attend a thing with the prime minister. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool, right? If you could ask the prime minister anything, what would you ask him? Oh, gosh. I don't know. That's a fun question. I mm-hmm. don't know. Do you know what you're I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to think about it. What do I really care about? Yeah, because I mean, there's lots of... Th- you know, I'm sure there's things he's answered a hundred million times, like the whole, like, hey, man, you promised that you weren't going to change the... They were going to do the voting overhaul thing, the, mm-hmm. what are you, the electoral yeah. reform. That you promised that. And then one half-assed survey goes out, and then you're like, ah, Canadians don't want it no more. What? 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 I just do that. Mm-hmm. That was your promise. Why all the pipelines you got to do? <laughs> <laughs> you should go 
to the to the town hall meeting. <laughs> Grab the microphone. So Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, why are the pipelines you got do? <laughs> hmm? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure someone will ask those questions. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what I would ask him? I'd be like, uh, hey, look at this. I look like an older <laughs> version of you. Even though I'm younger. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yes, please sit down. Yes, sit down. You're going to get tackled by CSIS. <laughs> Whoever tackles people for the Prime Minister, I don't know. Justin Trudeau himself. <laughs> I do my own tackling. <laughs> cool he was a guy. boxer once. Yeah, that's right. Anyways, Nanaimo, February 2nd. Cool. I'm going to, yeah, let's try and make a road trip out of it. That'd be a fun. Maybe I get the day off work to go and watch people yell at the Prime Minister. You're not like a big Lego enthusiast or anything like that, right? I mean, like, not to this day, but I was as a kid. I oh, loved really? Lego. Yeah, yeah, we had like a huge box of Lego. Mm. And uh, yeah, I was into it for what, sure. What was your type? Well, I, ju- I never got like those cool like make kids? your own kits oh, really? or anything. I just had generic Lego that I would make houses out of. And then, right. well, I kind of made doll houses, right? Because yeah. doll houses were pretty expensive. But if you had Lego, you can make your own. That's very true. So I had those little Polly Pockets and made my own houses. Yeah, right. Yeah. Polly Pockets, perfect. I was a castle guy, mm-hmm. and then I was a space guy. Cool. Which kind of makes sense, like, even to this day, one of my favorite things. It's like Game of Thrones and Star Wars. You're still baby Paul Plastino. I'm the exact same kid I was um, when I was, like, 12, 11 years old, except now I touched a boob. <laughs> <laughs> you touched a boob then, too, when you were younger. What? Your mom. Breastfeeding? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I it's suppose that's different. true. It's different. Anyway. Yeah. Let's I don't continue. think they count. I don't think, like, as dudes in our adolescence, no. I don't think we count that. I don't okay. Like, uh, have two guys. What, you just completely change after that? Yes, it's a do-over. It's just, just you start magically, over. like, there's, like, like magic happening. You yes. twirl around and then you become... A thousand percent, yes. You would st- adult when you stop breastfeeding, Pacino? you're like, okay, now now the boob count begins oh my at God. the end of breastfeeding. Yes, okay. yes. <laughs> Sorry to tell you that we don't. So we're we're talk- not counting our mother's breasts. You count anyway. You're talking about Lego. <sighs> was I? <laughs> I don't know yeah, what was. we're talking about now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, I like Lego, and uh, if I was rich, I would buy a ton of like uh, Lord of the Rings Lego. Anyways, uh, you sent me this cool thing mm-hmm. that I really like. That uh, for like around three thousand dollars, <laughs> it's not cheap. No, but this artist on Etsy will build you a replica of your house and not just the outside either. They will like go in inside and out, like perfectly replicate your house out of Lego and then give it to you. They like conceptualize it. They plan it all out. They get the materials. They special order all the bricks from Lego and they build it for you and deliver you your house in Lego. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's just one uh, small little Etsy Uh, company and it's just one girl who is a mom and got a new house and decided as a a gift to her family she wanted to make a lego recreation of it when Mm. they finally moved in and then from there a whole bunch of people were really interested and wanted their own house replicated in lego and uh, yeah it's kind of taken off from there i don't know if anyone's willing to pay you know (laughs) that much money for their house replica but i mean if you have that to spend People love their houses sometimes. Mm-hmm. If your house has got serious curb appeal, sometimes you come home and you're just like, <laughs> cute, they yeah. live in there. And so I would get that. Um, but do you know what? I, for $3,000 though, 
again, as a Lego enthusiast, 74, 75, 76% of the fun to do with Lego is about building it yourself. Mm. So for that amount of money, now I want her to create it all for me, create the booklet plan that you get with your Lego kit, how to build this, then ship me it all in a box, un- taken apart, Yeah. then I could follow the instructions and put it together myself. That's a business idea, yeah. Right? <laughs> but I can see that being difficult. A custom Lego job? Mm-hmm. That could be pricey. Oh, yeah. Today in the afternoon zone, all it's always bad these days when those atomic clock scientists say that we're one minute closer to midnight, that much closer to assured nuclear destruction and the end of the world. It's such a bummer, too. It's like, scientists, we get it. This is terrifying. Can you do something to make it a little less scary? Like, can you put a clown on a clock rug when you do this thing next time? Do you ever like to roll around on the floor like me? Come on, everybody. (laughs) Trump's reckless behavior and ignorant policies are a danger to humanity. Oh, man, I didn't know I was this flexible. So, (laughs) we get shout-outs coming up in a couple of few here. Very special edition of shout-outs. But uh, you know who I wanted to give a little uh, love and shout out to is the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art or whatever it is, or art in uh, New York City. Okay. They've done a wonderful thing here by just like not taking themselves too, too seriously. And that is uh, to promote their exhibit with the great artist, the Renaissance artist, Michelangelo. Oh, wow. Yeah. They had a guy dress up in a Michelangelo, the Ninja Turtles costume and kind of wander around (laughs) and take a bunch of pictures and then they put them on Twitter. Yeah, that's great. It's good, right? So I took my favorite one, which is just like, because there's a few pictures floating around, like, you know, he's waving at the camera and be like, "Ah, ah, ah," you know, but the one I like best is just like, you know, it's kind of back and from the side profile, just Michelangelo, the turtle. Looking, observing, taking in, absorbing a painting and a piece of art from Michelangelo, the Renaissance painter. Yeah, it's a nice candid photo. It is nice, you mm-hmm. know. It's just like the duality of an art. Pop art, classic art. What's mm-hmm. better? No one can decide, you know. I mean, you can't tell me that thinking up a thing that, okay, they're turtles, but they're teenagers also... And they're mutants. That's why they walk around like people. And also they do ninja. I I mean, mean, that came from an artistic place. Yeah. I mean, can you say it's the same level as Michelangelo, the original? Better. Wow. Greater than. Oh, you're going to cause some heat on the text line, Paul. More than. (laughs) More Additionally good. Better than. Yes, of course. Michelangelo. Big whoop. You were just drawing what you saw. (laughs) Right? It's a big statement that you're putting out there on the radio, Paul. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm just painting. And guess what? There weren't that many other painters around during Renaissance times. People were just trying to stay alive and not tr- catch the plague from people dumping poop buckets out of their windows. So I've decided I'm going to be an artist. Okay, well, who are we comparing you to? Nobody else, practically. So, oh, he's a great painter. What about this person, whoever it was who was invented Ninja Turtles, who invented a thing so ridiculous? Go ahead, Jenny West. You'll spend your whole life locked in a room trying to be creative and think up something as ridiculous as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And you shan't. I shan't? No, I can't. Yeah. 
baby normal <laughs> karate yes. trained uh-huh. rabbits. R- mm, kind of derivative. Uh, not as good. You're right. It's not as good. Um, there's that one that's like uh, polka dotted rockabilly embryonic fighter pilots. <laughs> right? Yeah. Still not as good. Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. Not as good. A dog who is a policeman. <laughs> it's a puppy. Also a fireman dog. No, can't do it. No, All right. We Good shout out, though. Yeah, we haven't been able to reach that level of creativity since, and I don't <laughs> think we ever will. Okay. Anyway, so good for the Met for not taking themselves too seriously and putting the Ninja Turtle in the museum. That's pretty fun. That's Great my shout out, okay? Great shout out. Great, good. We'll do more shout outs when we come back in just a second. Hang on. Hello, The Zone. Hello, how's it going? Pretty excellent. How are you? I'm doing good. Is it a little too early to make a shout out? No, what's your shout out? I kind of have two. It's a, it's a general shout out and then a specific shout out. Okay, do them both. Okay, so the general shout out is to people in general who just break up fights. I think that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's a risky move to jump yeah, in totally. front of you're, fists. You're, when two people are getting heated and like punches are about to get thrown, some person who just goes in to break it up, neither of those people know if it's like their friend, like the, the other person's friend who's coming to make like a two-on-one on them all of a sudden. Yep. Like, they just don't know. And but also, they do it anyways. Like, it's it's like getting involved in that too is a big risk because then you're involved with the police and everything as well and you could be a suspect and it could just get messy so uh, absolutely and like you're using both hands like cause I'm, I'm saying this because at the queens of the stone age concert i saw this uh this fight almost break out like fists were raised and this guy just you know ran in put hand on both chests and just pushed each other away it's like that guy could get clocked by he's using both hands to push people away he doesn't have a hand to defend himself oh my either God. guy could clock him yeah so i just think general and people who break up fights and i've seen it a few times i just think that's a good move yeah that's they a deserve a shout move. out absolutely so i definitely and then i want to make a specific shout out to this specific guy i'm talking about at the queens of the stone age concert mm. i wish i knew his name but i don't and i want to make another shout out to him because not only did he do that but about like 15 minutes later in the concert i just come out of a, the mosh pit and my shoelace was untied and i needed to do that up before somebody stepped on it and i just tripped and fell and got trampled so i kneeled down to tie my shoe and that guy like pushed his way to me to like bend down and like be like, are you okay, man? Like, do we need to like get you out? And I'm just like, like he couldn't hear me because of, of course the music was so loud. Yeah. But like I like just like motioned like one sec and then like eventually I got my shoe tied and then I stood up. I'm like, it's all good, man. Like I was just tying my shoe so I didn't <laughs> die. But like, thank you so much for like caring. So same guy, guy, eh? Same guy, exact same guy. Love that. So, thank you so much for these shoutouts. These are excellent. Whoever that dude is, I, I don't know. He's a, he looks like a cross between Julian from Trailer Park Boys and a young Orlando Bloom. <laughs> oh, my God. My dream man. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. What's your name? My name's Jackson. Jackson. You remember meeting me? Yeah, Jackson. I met you. You're a jolly good fella. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Jackson, you're the best. Thank you so much for calling in. Oh, no problem, Jenny. You have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. You got a kingly gift from your boyfriend, right? 
Yeah, so my boyfriend is all looped on pain meds right now because he just got surgery and he woke me up at 3 a.m. the day of his surgery, like mm. after he had gotten it. Oh, wow. And woke me up and goes, Jenny, 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 look. Look, I got you something. And he shows me his phone and it's a cat backpack. It's not, yeah, like a, a, a backpack that carries your cat and is specifically designed to have your cat on your back. And it's got a little like fishbowl thing so they can see around. And there's a whole bunch of holes, obviously. It's mm. like a little cushion in there. It's nice and comfy for them. So oh. it's really like a kennel that you can put on your back. I was stoked about it. I wasn't so stoked that he spent so much money on it. How much did he spend? It was like almost 100 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I mean, he's in surgery. He's not working right now. I was like, oh, man. Not the best choice, but I'm also so excited. Thank you so much. Part of the reason was that I could bring him the cat during his surgery recovery. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, I just kind of have a question. Like, is it weird if I were to just walk around downtown or around Victoria or take my cat on hikes? in this backpack mm -hmm. if it enjoys it if it thoroughly you know loves being walked around in this backpack would i get weird stares would people get mad at me for it right you know i don't want to cause any conflict with the kitty cat in my backpack you, you don't want to raise the ire of the cruel police yeah exactly like, that's cruel cat doesn't want to go for a hike in a backpack and hates it's it. It's an animal. It wants to go see what's what's around in the world. I think it's cool. As long I, as the cat's happy, right? But yeah. I don't want to have to constantly be explaining that to people. Hello, Zone 913. Cat backpack, good or bad? Good. Actually, I carry my cat in a basket. I take her through Chinatown. Cute. Oh my gosh. Thank you for chiming in. We appreciate that. And we'll look out for you in Chinatown. Thank you. Hi, Zone 913. Cat backpack. Great idea, cats meow, or bad times? Kind of weird, but great idea. My brother has one, and it seems to be a pretty big hit with his cat. <gasps> oh, cat loves great it. Great news. Really is up to the cat. Yeah, Thank the, you for calling in. Cat loves it. Hello, Zone three. Cat idea, good, bad? Bad. It's weird. 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 What? Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. It's a pull. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Hello, Zone three. Cat backpack, great or bad? It would be great for kids. My kids still talk about the time they saw somebody walking their cat on a leash. <laughs> That's okay. the next step for me, so. Great. Thank you very much. Good call in. Thank you. Hi, Zone 913. Cat backpack, great or hate? Great. Totally yeah. cute. Do it. Yay, thank you. Hi, Zone 913. Cat backpack, best idea, worst idea? Definitely best idea. Oh, nice. thank goodness. Thank great. you. Yeah, yeah, good. Thank Bye. you very much. Thank you for calling. I zone nine one three cat backpack. I'm not against it, but I mean, it'd it be fine. I, I couldn't see a problem with it. Fine, I'm gonna give that a ding. Okay, so you'd get you'd give it a weird look, though. It sounds like. I mean, of course, but not too weird of a look. You're not gonna call Animal Protective Services. I'm not, I'm not gonna call SPCA on you. Right, I see. Yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Thank Good you very know. much. Thank you. Thank you. Nope. Hello, zone nine one three cat backpack, little red Corvette <laughs> or dumpster fire. Cat backpack. Yeah? Great, eh? Good? Okay. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks no for calling. Bye. Thank you. Bye. You feel better about that now? I feel okay, yeah. Okay, good. I just hope that one day it just becomes normal for everyone to carry their cats in their backpack and give them walks. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, keep that dream alive. <laughs> this is Quarter to News in the Afternoon Zone. Here's Jenny West. The Canadian Plastic Bag Association is... Uh, yeah, I didn't know what? this was a That's thing. A there thing? is a Canadian Plastic <laughs> Bag Association. <laughs> okay, well, obviously, it's not having a good time right now because it's upset 
with the city of Victoria's decision to ban single-use plastic bags because that's what they know and love, right? <laughs> so they're a, lo- a lobby group and they represent a large number of manufacturers and distributors of plastic bags in the country. And they just filed a court petition in attempt to stop Victoria's new bylaw for regulating plastic bags. Now, the, gl- the group is claiming that the city doesn't have the jurisdiction to prohibit businesses from providing plastic bags and that the city can't force retailers to charge a minimum fee for paper or reusable bags. The bylaw for Victoria goes into effect July 1st. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, obviously it's not good for, for them and their business. Um, okay, I get that, but, you know, as much as I am cool with restricting, like, government overreach and whatever like that, what we really count on the government to do is make these decisions for the benefit of us all. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but, like, we've all looked at kind of what's going on with the plastic bags and how detrimental they are to our environment, which we need to survive, by the way. And we're also surrounded by beautiful ocean and beaches and getting plastic bags in the ocean. Think about it. That's bad. Really bad times. So, oh, wow, really sorry that this is cutting into your profits that we're not selling them here in Victoria anymore or that more more like your business is going extinct, but... Mm. Sorry. Maybe there are, you know, other options like biodegradable, you know, bags or, or different kind of bags instead of using plastic. But, oh, man. you know, this yeah. type of like lobbying of just like, oh, we're going to make less money. Uh, it's worse for everybody. Yeah, but we want to still make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK, then, you know, like that kind of thing just chaps me. But um, very interesting. I'd love to hear because I'm just shooting my mouth off, but I would love to hear someone from this plastic. What are they called again? Plastic Bag Association. Right. And uh, someone from, you know, the more environmental side of it, someone from maybe Surfrider because they're heavily involved with this, or maybe someone from uh, the push down at City Hall to get the plastic bag ban going. Mm-hmm. Um, love to hear them hash it out. Have a little debate. Make their points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting. We'll see if that comes of this. Mm-hmm. Um, some good news. The BC Ministry of Health has the number, uh, uh, says that the nor- number of organ donations and transplants hit record highs in 2017. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. A report shows that 479 lives were saved in the province last year with a 25% increase in deceased organ donors. Now, the ministry says as uh, the start of 2018, 638 people in the province are still waiting for a transplant. So um, need still remains strong, but it is improving. Are you signed up? I am, yeah. Yeah, same. I just said, take my body, my entire body. I don't care. I don't need it. Yeah, I hope there's nothing left of me when they're done with it. Yeah. You know, I'm at this point in my life trying to take care of my organs and body for the next person. I'm wasting all of this. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, maybe someone can do some good with these eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll actually get to be, we'll be able to see the American Super Bowl ads during the big game again this year. Uh, Bell Canada has been unable to block a regulator's decision to ban the substitution of Canadian TV feeds and ads during Super Bowl broadcasts. The Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission announced the ban in 2015 after hearing many viewers wanted to see the American ads considered uh, because, you know, yeah, it's considered to be a huge part of the Super Bowl's entertainment. So, yeah, we don't want to be cut off from that. Yeah. Do you remember, like, all the things was like, oh, I got a buddy and he's got, like, a satellite dish and they can reach out into the States and get the good ads and it never worked. No. Every single year I feel like I had, uh, like, a plan, like, oh, we're going to go see it in a movie theater. We're going to watch the Super Bowl in a movie theater and they're going to get American ads. Can you believe it? 
didn't work. Aww. Body with a satellite dish, didn't work. Like, just nothing. Yeah. No, no one could figure out a way to tunnel in to get those good ads. But now we should be able to. Now we got them. Yeah. That's great. Woo-hoo. Despite all the rumors, Oprah Winfrey has told InStyle magazine that she doesn't have the DNA to run for president. <laughs> the billionaire media icon says she hears all of the encouragement coming from Democrats, but is very secure and confident in her life already. It was Oprah, Oprah Winfrey's speech at this month's Golden Globes that spawned the Oprah 2020 Twitter hashtag and campaign. Kind of makes sense for Mm -hmm. a number of different reasons. I'm sure, like, coming off of that speech, probably felt pretty good to be like, hey, you should run for a thing. Hey, President, hey, President Oprah, wouldn't that be something? But number one, as Oprah, who is right now universally beloved, Mm -hmm. why would she, to, to run for one or the other of those parties in the States, you immediately just carve your fandom in half. All the people who love you, just half of them just go away, and now they hate you. Yeah. Right? Because they are... Republicans, if she's going to run Democrat. They hate you. They're making nasty memes about you. The same people who used to buy your magazine and watch you every night are now sharing memes about, you know, you with an ugly picture and a snarky comment. Mm-hmm. That's how that's what political <laughs> discourse is right now, right? You just lose all those people. So that's number one. And number two, I bet she saw a lot of the, like, level-headed, um, you know, stuff that was like, we don't need another celebrity no, to run for president. We need... Someone you know, who knows the job. You no, know, someone who knows the job. Someone who has... Experience governing someone who knows legislation and like what the job actually is, not just a personality. Not a popularity contest. That's right. That's right, yeah. Victoria's Johnson Street Bridge will be closed for most of the weekend. The massive barge called the Dynamic Beast has been brought back to install some big components of the bridge. So the existing bridge will be closed to all traffic, including pedestrians, cyclists, and drivers uh, from 7 a.m. Saturday until about 5 p.m. on Sunday while the spans and the decking are installed. But it is weather permitted. They're taking a look at the, the wind. It's supposed to be pretty windy, so it might be canceled, but... Well, well, let's hope not. We need some more progress on that bridge, eh? I wish the wind of getting this bridge done would blow through uh, Victoria. Oh, maybe you? it would speed things up a little bit. Yeah, that's right. That'd oh, be great funny. if it was like uh, uh, a tornado of productivity <laughs> would just blast through. And this, we could just be done with this stupid bridge. Uh, God, I'm looking forward to having this bridge done, aren't you? Oh, yeah. It's going to look really nice, I think. Hopefully, yeah. Woo. Remember how, like, it's a tiny little bridge? That's Remember the one thing that? about it too, right? Just yeah, a couple of meters long. <laughs> yeah, like it's. You ever been on big bridges? <laughs> yeah, like any bridges in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Or, I've drove across the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, cool. Yes, cool. Yeah, that took a lot less time to build. Apparently, it feels like yeah, like this bridge is. Anyways, I'm so excited. It's for complicated it. though because you know what? It has to open up and close. Oh right, yeah, so. that's a tricky one. As soon as you add that uh, articulating action, yeah, yeah roticulating, articulating. Yes, once it articulates in any uh, manner, yes, yeah, a procedural to make sure it's blah 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 blah. I can't wait. Once it's just a glowing blue, delightful mm-hmm. feature of our city and it changes the skyline of our city, we're gonna just be all in love with it. It's gonna yeah. be all so worth it. It's gonna be our favorite thing in Victoria. I'm gonna kiss it every day. Wow, I wouldn't do that. Oh, this is interesting news. Finland is looking to scrap daylight saving time (gasps) within the European Union. And this was all prompted by a petition from the public. A parliamentary committee in Finland has concluded changing the clocks causes short-term sleeping disorders, reduced performance at work, and could also lead to serious health problems. Hmm. 
Interesting. How long have I been yelling about it? Uh, yep. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not saying, you know, because people who work outside always, you know, try and chirp me and are like, oh, you know, uh, it's easier for you to say whatever. And I'm just saying, like, let's just split the difference then and just leave it. Mm. You know, it's it's moving back and forth and all that is never really going to solve the problem of there being less daylight and you having to work in the dark for an amount of time. That's just a fact of where we live on this globe. Mm. So let's just split the difference. Keep it the same. Leave it alone. Yeah. All right. You should start a petition. There's probably already one There's out there. One yeah. Already, yeah. We were uh, looking over our like stories. We always like, um, you know, bring all our stories together before the show starts. I'm like, hey, what are we going to talk about today? We noticed there was like a whole bunch of stories that had animals in them. Mm-hmm. I know we're both animal lovers, but today just seemed like very animal heavy. Mm-hmm. All these stories. So we thought this might be a good time to start. Afternoon show. News Roundup. Jenny West has your top story. Yeah, so back in 2011, a wildlife photographer took a trip to Indonesia, mm-hmm. and a macaque, like a monkey, named Naruto, took a f- took the photographer's camera and took a picture of itself. And this this image, you know, has been uh, kind of the craze on the internet. It's a it's a monkey selfie, is what yeah. it is. Now the big question is. Who owns the right to the image? Because the monkey took the photo. Is it the monkey's rights? You know, does he have the copyright? Or is it the photographer slash Wikipedia? Um, under the ingre- agreement that uh, PETA, who was representing the monkey, uh, they, they came to an agreement. <laughs> yeah, I know this is an actual case. Um, Slater, the photographer, has to donate 25% of any of the future revenue from this monkey selfie uh, to charities that protect uh, monkeys in Indonesia. Wow. Yeah. I think that's pretty reasonable. I as think much so as, as well. I don't love the idea of a monkey having the same rights as human people. <laughs> that sounds like the beginning of the Planet of the Apes, but <laughs> good. Good for the monkey uh, to. Uh, that's a good place for the money to go to, anyways. 25%, not bad. Right? Yeah. Guy's still getting rich off of monkey self. He set up a camera in the woods and left it alone. Big whoop, and <laughs> I could do that. Good. Good for that. What's your story? In Poland, a cow breaks free from its pen to live among wild bison. Oh, what a dream. A farmyard cow in Poland has chosen freedom this winter, (laughs) roaming with a herd of bison for three months after escaping its pen. It's interesting to me because where do cows go if they're wild? Do you know if we all live in like a vegan utopia where there's no such thing as animal farms anymore? Mm -hmm. What do cows do? Do they just do exactly what they already do in a farm just out? Yeah. Outside of a farm? They just kind of graze on rolling hills. Moo at cars as they drive by. That's right. But And then die of natural causes and then just die and just lay there on the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. They don't... Yeah. Couldn't see cows getting up to any huge adventures. I mean, this one, though. This one's got the right idea. Yeah, this one found a bunch of bison and decided to uh, live with it. Love it. I guess bison are wild cows. Okay. All right. Neat. In Saudi Arabia, the king has a yearly camel pageant. Now, there was some (laughs) big news in the camel pageant this year. Apparently, 12 camels have been disqualified from the beauty pageant after getting Botox injections. Oh, in the humps? Oh, no, no, no. You would think so, right? But the lips. 
the lips <laughs> and the the nose. You know, the bigger the lips, the better, I guess, for camels. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the nose, if it's more prominent, you oh. know, it's more beautiful. Yes. Um, so the National reports that right before the festival began, a veterinarian was caught performing plastic surgery on the camels, giving them Botox and reducing the size of their ears. Now, w- you would think, why would they be doing that? Why does it matter? You know, it's a camel. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's a huge prize. $31.8 million. So there is what? a huge desire to to win this. So that's no why they were doing Botox. But disqualified. No more chances of winning that big money. Wow. I guess mm-hmm. the risk was worth the hump. That's a stretch. Yeah. Uh, that was... Afternoon Zone Animal News Roundup. Well, great podcast, kid. Yeah, good podcast, dude. Yeah, good pod. Hot good pod. Cast. Hot pod. <laughs> Tide pod. <laughs> um, do you think there is a Tidecast podcast at this point? Uh, there should be. Right? Next episode? Yeah. All Tidecast. Hey, what's up, you guys? <laughs> I'm going to give you my review of the new flavors of Tide Pods. Um, this one's green. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again uh, for listening and downloading. And make sure to tell your friends if you enjoy this stupid podcast, please uh, spread the word. Tell your friends. Post on Facebook and wherever that you enjoy it. Share the link. Gosh, that would help. Leave mm-hmm. us a review. There's any like suggestions you have for the podcast? Mm-hmm. Like, say if there's like a fun game you want us to try, whatever mm-hmm. we could do that in the intro and outro. Yeah, you're, you're a part of this as much as we are. Completely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure to uh, listen to us on the radio if you like to hear your voice on this podcast. Best thing is catch us when we're on the radio, and then give us a phone call and then chat with us then. And uh, not even just about what we're chatting about. Just, like, throw us curveballs all the time. Mm-hmm. Love that stuff. Love it. Because so. sometimes we don't have prep. And, you know, when you call in with a thought, yeah. you can make a show out of it. So that's <laughs> nice. You're really helping us. Yeah. Uh, that's the podcast for this week. And we'll chat with you next time. Bye.